You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Web Radio. And now time for the Classic Car Show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. Good morning and welcome to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. And uh, we want to thank all the folks that tune in and listen to it, not only here in the United States, which we got a great audience here, and we love every one of you, or Jim does. I, uh, some of you I don't like, but others, uh, you know. Anyway, we are also number one in the U.K. as a radio station goes. And uh, people tune in not only live, but they uh, download our Podcast, which uh, because we've got such a fantastic IT person now, Brett Altman uh, is in charge of all of our anything that has a button on it. He's in charge of, and I consider a computer has a button on it. A lot of them, and he's in charge of them. And he does a wonderful job of um, getting our shows posted. And this show will be posted Monday. Uh, archive Monday, and you can pick it up on YouTube. And we ask that if you're listening and you're not a uh, subscriber to America's Web Radio on YouTube, please sign up for it or follow us on Facebook. Either way, this show will be posted on Monday. And we are so flattered. And I guess I haven't had a compliment like this in I can't remember when and for Old man, this makes you feel really good. And I, I called our guest today the other day to ask him if he'd be on the air with us and do an interview with us today and bring us up to date on what he's doing. And I call Dr. Fred Simeon. And many of you know Fred. And I call him, and, and his person that answered said who it was calling. And I was so flattered. And I haven't talked to Fred in probably a year or so. And he said, oh, yeah, David. And I, for him, for someone like Dr. Fred Simeon to remember you, you, you feel like you've uh, climbed the mountain. Well, let me say this. We need to talk to him more often, and it, I'm probably at fault more than anybody. And I know our distinguished colleague, or extinguished colleague, Steve, <laughs> who's out on a tour today, uh, likes to chat with him, too. But... Uh, We've got some exciting things to talk to him about, and the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, you mentioned number one in England. Well, Dr. Fred's number one in the world with his museum. That's bigger than us. He has been given an award worldwide, and that's every collection you can think of. So, Fred, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Would you please tell us... uh, uh, how this all happened and occurred and, and what it takes to be that? Well, there's a classic car trust, which is based in Liechtenstein, and they study collections in general, and they do it in a very scientific way. They looked at 200 collections around the world. <clears throat> they decided they would study 100, and they gave them grades and ranked them on the basis of the quality of the collection, the historical quality of the collection, and the uh, and the social good that the collection did. And of those 100 collections, uh, we got the highest score. So uh, in a ceremony in Paris, I was told I was number one. Um, oh. And we're pretty happy about that. Uh, congratulations. That is wonderful. Now, you've talked about what it took to get the award, but uh, there's one outside activity that you do that I am not aware of any other museum doing, and that you share your cars 
outside with people. You actually have events where you bring them out, whether it's brass cars or race cars, and you share them. And can you kind of refresh our listeners as to how that happens, please? Yes, we have a, uh, in the back of the museum, we have a three-acre, we call it a track. Uh, and I believe that a historic car uh, needs a historical reference. Otherwise, it's eye candy. You have to know why it's important and why it's in the collection. We have 70 cars, and they've all been curated. There's nothing in there but really two-passenger sports racing cars and a few other exceptions, a few NASCARs and things like that. So the, the, our audience love to see them moving on our track, but we force them to listen to about oh, 10 or 15 minutes about the technology of each car, and then we give them a historical talk, which is largely the stories of the cars. We have a nice women's audience, and they like to hear stories about crazy drivers and as well as technological improvements. And then we'll usually take four or five cars out, usually from our collection and occasional guest cars, and just drive them around, do figure eights. We did the 24 minutes of Le Mans and other things like that to... Uh, uh, let people know that they are historic, and they also not only look good, but they even sound good. Uh, so they get that experience as well as the history. Um, do you record these sounds? Have you? Have you, do you remember the old Riverside record sounds of Sebring and and the Cuban? Yeah, I, I do have. I do have those records, and we record them pretty much on request. Uh, I guess we should, could probably make an archive one day, which would require us to battery up and gas up all of them. They all run, by the way. All of our cars in the, in the foundation run. But what we do is we will get a request. Or we'll certainly record them when we're demonstrating them, and then we file them, uh, and then people will call in and say, I want to hear this or that. Uh, so we, we have a sound of maybe 10 or 15% of them. Beautiful. Fred, you're, you are actually touching the people with the with the historic cars. Do you think there's the I, I personally, and we get on our or I get on my soapbox, and we get on our soapbox about the fact that uh, you know where would the United States be without cars and trucks? We'd still be paddling down the river. Do you think that the the common person today, and and I don't even know what that is, but just the individual that comes to your museum, do you think they have the appreciation of what the car has meant to our country? No, I, I think aggregately, of course, remember, we have a kind of a filtered audience. It's largely car guys. But if you're talking about the public in general, I think they, I think they take it for granted. I, there's so many... So much evidence of that. Um, people are talking about cars that don't need a driver. When you look at the car, the future, it's usually not an interesting design or shape. It's usually looks like it was designed by a, again, by a computer. Um, I, I gave a talk called the appliancization, which is a new word. Appliancization <laughs> means turning something into an appliance of, of the automobile. And people are picking cars like they pick refrigerators. Uh, I do think that the, the era of style and where we could go down the street and say, oh, that's a, that's an old, that's a Pontiac. Uh, we don't do that much anymore. Cars generally look the same. So I don't think people are involved as cars as much. 
then there's that thin layer of guys like uh, you two and and on some of our audience who are just car people. But the answer to the real question is, do they realize how important it was? You know, cars made highways, highways made shopping centers, shopping centers made cities. Uh, we would have a totally different life without cars, but I think that's now to the stage where it's been accepted. Uh, so I really don't think... Uh, they have the historical perspective you're talking about. Well, Dad, I, I assume you remember, and it wasn't that far, uh, wasn't that long ago, the remark from one of the Democrat candidates that uh, the groceries just grow in the store and they pick them there. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why you go to. <laughs> that's it's why the it's a grocery kind of store. Yeah, and it's they the pack same it. Kind of thing. I guess they package the cereal someplace in yeah, the grocery it's, store. It's amazing. Um, when. Do you see much youth? That's the other thing David and I and Steve talk about is taking the children to museums to have them appreciate it and to understand more about the history of the automobile. But I know you run a summer program, and I want to talk about that too. But do you see during the year many youngsters coming in? Well, uh, you know, it's like everything else. Uh, um, They are guys and girls who hit it off right away and they're looking and that they're attentive and there are others who just um, walk by and somehow don't feel that engagement uh, is necessary so it's very spotty Mm -hmm. the thing that we're trying to do and and I don't want to take too much time on this but the thing we're trying to do is to show that the racing car which is what we have sports racing car is an example of how competition makes everything better because among the other uh, problems I'm noticing with modern society is the young, the young person, and I would have to say young man, doesn't understand that you've got to get out there and compete to get ahead. It's very comfortable to stay home, stay on your computer, hang out with the guys, get five bucks uh, of McDonald's food, and uh, live, live at home for a while. Uh, the car, the sports racing car... Is supposed to be an example of how you race to win, and when you win, you get better. We're trying that on our youngsters, and it's a. I must answer your question by saying, nowadays it's a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Now, you just touched on another subject about sports racing cars. There's a new film coming out about Ford versus Ferrari. And I'm wondering what kind of audience that's going to attract, if it's just going to be old car guys like us or that we're going to see some youth going to it. Um, I don't know. They're, they're launching it at our place. They've, they've designated us as the car museum partner for that movie, which doesn't mean much except we're going to have a party here and Great. have some VIP guests come to the showing. Oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, you got star power. Matt Damon and Christian Bale will be an attraction. Yeah. Um, uh, I just, I, I, I really can't answer that. There are people who go to any movie, and then there are car people who will probably see it three times. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard to say. You know, who knows? Yeah, well, it's wonderful that they're launching it there. Well, let me let me run back. A, a step. We talked about summer programs. You did some summer youth programs this year. Some, uh, I believe, they were workshops. Yeah, with, with the kids. Could you tell mm-hmm. us how that yeah, went? Yeah, they're they're really neat. We have Rick Adams, our director of education, and his um, 
his assistant. We affectionately known as Diesel. She, <laughs> she and he, Diesel, uh, uh, she and he have this really nice program. And I'll give you the real quick curriculum. It'll take just a minute. On sure. the first day, they learn how to power, what power is, and they use a bottle rocket because they power it themselves. And bottle rocket has all the ingredients of power. And they make a, a bottle on a on a set of wheels. Second day, they draw a car on the graph paper. The third day, they whittle it out of um, balsa wood. The fourth day, they put it on a tabletop wind tunnel, and they they uh, redesign it and sand it till it's more uh, uh, you know well done. And then the, the fifth day, when their parents come, they mount it on the bottle, and then we test it for speed. And we have a one of these things that measure speeds in fractions of a second. Wow. So they get the whole experience uh, of uh, making something go and learning physics that way. That's pretty popular. It's oversubscribed. And you know what's sad, uh, guys? Listen to this. But I had a lady tell me she had a, her 15-year-old son was there, and she said, it's the first time I've ever seen him do anything with his hands. Oh, mm. That's wonderful. I mean, you you guys probably had you guys probably had shop when you went to school, right? <laughs> yeah, but the nuns wouldn't let me take it. They said that uh, <laughs> I needed to go to college. <laughs> but you you wouldn't have that opportunity now in, no. in most schools. No, let's. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and then I want to continue this conversation. Okay, we'll be right back. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with our very, very special guest, Dr. Fred Simeon. And um, it is always a pleasure. And, Fred, if you don't mind, I, I'm i going to take up on something that uh, Jim said. And uh, we may just turn this into the Simeon Museum Classic car show. show. <laughs> Is that all right with you? And, and do you mind if I call you more? We can use all. We can use all the publicity we can get. Uh, we need it. We're, we're happy to give it to you. Believe me, because the things you do, I don't think people realize. Uh, and this is going to go, as David said, across to the UK and to other uh, countries, but. A lot of people come to America, and a lot of people go to Philadelphia to see historic things, but your car museum's like the Liberty Bell. It's probably the only one that does the things that Except his do. museum has no crack in it. Right, that's right. <laughs> so, But it's just, we got, yeah, 
Yeah, this is promote Fred Radio. Yeah, yeah. we'll do uh, that. Well, first of all, the award blows me away. Oh, and by, by the way, Fred, uh, Ed Watts uh, from uh, Passport Transport said to say hello to you. So, Oh, um, good. Return it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank him. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Um, all right, let, let's go back and talk about the children and the lady that said that she, her son had never done anything with his hands. Uh, when I was a kid growing up, and we're all probably in the same age area, bottle rockets, I mean, we did those all the time. And uh, I don't think anybody, I hadn't heard of a bottle rocket probably in the last 60 years. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I, I want to bring some, as you all were talking about that, and you brought up the word rockets, you know, I wish somebody would put together the correlation of, okay, what was the first thing that, one of the first things that landed on the moon so they could get around easily? A rocket. No, transport. The transport? Yeah, so they could drive oh, around. the car. The car. Yeah. okay. And, you know, and, oh, oh, my God, okay, so you're bringing that in from, from the NASA. Well, look at what NASA has done to the automobile. Yeah. And GPS, and I wish somebody would write a book or do something about the. And what do they use at, at Cape Canaveral or Cape Kennedy or whatever it's called these days? But they use a power to bring the rockets in and out, and it's, it's basically a car of sorts or a truck of sorts, and they ship stuff to Cape Canaveral, the launch pad or whatever to. You know, in trucks to get it. So I, I, I wish somebody would write a book about the correlation between transportation and other industries, and and what NASA has meant to cars, and cars have meant to NASA, yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, and but it it all evolves. It's like Fred's, yeah. Fred's Museum, sports racing cars. I mean, that's something we enjoy. And you, you know, people say, "Ah, oh, what is somebody want to race a car? What, what importance is it?" My gosh, the technology that's come out of yeah. auto racing mm-hmm. that's applied to our car today. Yeah. Am well, I wrong, Fred? Well, no. I, I think yeah, the idea that that um, automotive uh, development has helped and been helped by uh, airspace is is interesting, but. The counter-argument to that is that people say, well, uh, that doesn't mean that you as an individual have to own it. It doesn't mean that your car has to be particularly good-looking. And what the hell are you doing with a car that has two or 300 horsepower and burns a lot of energy? So, you know, there's a counter-argument to that where you could acknowledge all the improvements that the automobile has been made but still go back to this appliance which is what the new cars are, where the new cars are heading. Fred, that's beautiful. Not only appliance, but I, I'm always fascinated at the fact of fighting uh, competitive cars, and yet you can take a, one part from one car and put it in the other car. The components yeah. today. Yeah. yeah, well, that's just, it's cost. Yeah. Um, Fred, that five-day program you do how many times do you do that in the summer we we uh do it we we managed to be able to get five in during the summer break okay and is there a tuition charge or anything for it uh yeah but it's nominal uh, because we do give them lunch okay and uh but there's no tuition charge for uh rick or diesel 
yeah. and there's no ch- ch- charge for uh, the uh, thing. But we do we do have to cover uh, five lunches for them, so yeah. it ends up being about a hundred bucks. Oh, that for uh, five days and for what you do, mm-hmm. I mean. You- I, I remember the Pinewood Derby cars we made as Cub Scouts, which I don't know if they do that anymore or not, but uh, you put that in, you you teach them about a bottle rocket and propulsion and measuring speed. So there's a lot in that five-day curriculum. Is there a notebook that goes with that that they can go home and continue or pursue anything? They, they, they do have printed notes, and they get uh, daily notes about what the project is too we probably could do better with a more scientific uh, uh, approach we're, we're in a way we're trying to get out of the school mode and be more into the fun mode mm-hmm. it's becoming very obvious that if you want kids to learn nowadays it's got to be there's got to be a certain amount of fun yes. a certain amount of uh, excitement uh, otherwise uh, they drift away well, uh, yeah, otherwise they're playing with uh, their phones or their uh, iPads and things like that, which is, I guess you can call modern technology, too. Um, you've got some other programs coming up. I think you're featuring Nuvolari, if I'm not mistaken. On your, yeah. I get your yeah. newsletter, and uh, maybe you can kind of elaborate on some of the activities coming up, please. Well, yeah, let me tell me tell, <clears throat> tell you how we do a program. It's a combination of practicality and a desire to transmit information. Of course, we, we like to make it as more organized than it really is. But basically speaking, when you have 70 cars like we do, it's possible to create a theme that allows you to bring the car out in some kind of context. We did one for Bastille Day, July 14th, as you know, every right. year. And we had several cars that were actually driven by men who were involved in the, uh, in the uh, American uh, counter, the, the French counteractions against Germany. You know, guys who were actually in that owned our Delahaye and our Peugeot and our Bugatti that won Le Mans and all that. So, wow. So we talk about what was going on in France and then about how these drivers one of these uh the guy who won Le Mans and our Bugatti was hung by the Germans and Robert Benoist and mm-hmm. we tell those interesting stories we get the women involved <clears throat> and then we drive them around uh for another 15 or 20 minutes and then we uh, open the hoods and let them look inside so they get between the technical talk and our our about 20 minute historical talk and then riding they get like an hour hour and a half of an interesting experience, <clears throat> so that's basically uh, what what the what we're said about, and it can be something like uh, Jaguar, and we'll have Renault Jags or Sebring or Melamilia, uh, you know, and then theme that lets them know uh, a facet of um, sports car racing. That that's incredible. You also have the Nuvolari. Uh, event coming up though and can you t- kind of tell me about that because a lot of people well don't recognize who he is and um, he's probably uh, he and Fonjo and maybe a couple of others the greatest racing drivers that ever existed 
Right, and we, we want to get their name out there before it's forgotten. Because mm-hmm. these guys um, were heroes of the time. They had a significant influence on society as well as on uh, on sports car racing and racing in general. They were heroes, and they were inspirations. So we talk about their... And in a case like uh, this where we where we feature a driver, we always like to have the story about how he came up from nothing, about how he started on motorcycles, so that the young guys know that everybody has a shot to be a hero. And we, we, we give that story. We have a, a big screen that will have contemporary pictures of him while we talk about his history. And then we'll take cars out that either he drove uh, which we only have one, or that were cars that identical to the ones he drove. And, he, and um, then, you know, we'll tell stories about how he would race in the middle of media with the lights out <laughs> at night <laughs> so that n- nobody could not tell him c- that he was coming on and his personal battles with Akale Bharti and, you know, the mm-hmm. stuff that makes it interesting. And hopefully makes these people want to go online or to the library and read about. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about him is he had a turtle, I think, wasn't it, for a symbol, like Ferrari yeah, mm-hmm. with the horse? Yeah. How did he, do you remember how he acquired that, or did someone give him that? Uh, I know that it was a gift. He used to wear it as a brooch. Uh, he put it right on the collar of his, uh, of his uh, sweater. Okay, and he wore it that way. Uh, I don't want to make up the story because I, I'm a little t- too vague. Uh, I don't want to give you the secondhand story, but it is the kind of uh, uh, um, just a, just one little facet of his of his life. Right. In fact, before I, I'm going to read up on that before we give the talk, in case there's something in there that the girls would like. Yeah, um, there's a museum. In Mantua, Italy, I think, mm-hmm. for him, right. yeah, to to honor him, and uh, I notice now that there's been some recent articles on the fact that they've opened a Jimmy Clark Museum in Scotland to honor him. Mm-hmm. And I think you've got some cars of the era that Jimmy Clark raced. Yeah, we have the D- Aston Martin DBR1 that he raced a couple of times in um, Le Mans. Mm-hmm. And uh, 60, 61, yeah. Yeah, uh, and he ran a D-type Jaguar, I think, for a Curry Akas, if I'm not mistaken. Right. One mm-hmm. time. And and you have a D-type, don't you? We have a D-type, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, other activities coming up. You've got your, well, let's talk about, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back, and I want to talk about your upcoming auction that you have at your museum, too. Okay. Please. Okay. Great. If your health insurance premium is deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email magna45cag at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. 
uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride, call JC Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. Whether cruising the strip in a '57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a '71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show, or I should say the Simeon Museum Classic Car yes. Show. Is that is that the way it's supposed to be? Okay, we're back anyway on America's Web Radio, and I want to remind everybody that this show will be archived and posted on our website, americaswebradio.com, uh, Monday, as well as, and Jim, I, didn't, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we're on every podcast player that we know about. Certainly, all of the top, uh, the Spotify's, the iTunes, and so forth and so on, and Google. That's great. And uh, we're heard all over the world, and we're just delighted to say the results has been incredible. We started a new show yesterday. Um, no, I'm sorry, Thursday, uh, called "Let's Talk Venezuelan." And you and I were talking about the fake news before we came in the studio. And uh, this show is done by Venezuelans that have gotten their citizenship legally. and um, But it's telling the truth about what's happening in Venezuela. And uh, we have so many unique shows, the doctor's lounge, detailing addiction, so forth and so on. A lot of medical shows, a lot of just interesting shows like... The classic car show that, uh, like I said, we're, I find it interesting we're number one in the U.K. So with that being said, I don't want to take up any more time, but uh, we are heard every place, whatever your favorite uh, podcast player is. If we're not on it, please let us know or subscribe to YouTube or follow us on Facebook. Thank you. Ah, excellent. Well, we're back with Dr. Fred Simeone of Simeone Auto Museum in Philadelphia. And you've got an auction coming up, and I believe it's Bonhams, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, Fred? That's correct. Mm -hmm. And you usually, every year, do it around the time of Hershey, I think just before Hershey? Right. uh, Just when the crowds come into our area, we're about 40 miles from Hershey. So uh, we hope that people will come a day early uh, and uh, look at what we have. Oh, that's, that, that'd be great. Well, Philadelphia Airport, because that's where most of your international travelers are going to come in, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and we're about 10 minutes away right. from, from that. Um, what is being featured this year? Because a lot of times you're, you're featuring cars that have never been restored. Yeah, so that's the, 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 the principle of this auction was started on this basis. Um, uh, we wrote a book about uh, the, his, the stewardship of automobiles and about preservation and how 
uh, restoration can be a bad thing and finding a good original car can be a blessing. But there was no venue for that. The typical auction uh, is usually looking for the car that you can take to a show or the high restoration car, and you'll even see in the reports restored to perfection, all of that. We wanted to have a place where somebody would not be ashamed to come and either sell or buy a good unrestored car. The advantage being uh, the Bonhams is our car guy people. They're not like some of the other auction houses, which uh, will not touch your car unless it's above a certain value. Bonhams uh, caters to car people, so we have automobilia, and we have a good unrestored cars, uh, and they're welcome there, and it's more of a it's more of an auction for guys with grease under their fingernails rather than guys who want to take a car to uh, a big show. Uh, and it's, there's a lot of enthusiasm, and of course it's exciting for us because some of the most unusual stuff turns up out of barns. Uh, and because we now have a lot of automobilia, parts, books, uh, it's a fun place to be. Wow. So, uh, anything significant in the way of automobilia that comes to mind? Any collections being sold? Well, yeah, we had we had some collections uh, that were, were uh, really very interesting. We have a collection now uh, that... Uh, uh, is fascinating because it's a it's a gentleman's entire library, and mm. it came uh, in a on a pallet with about I would guess just looking at the cube and the pallet is about five by five. There's at least twenty five boxes, if not more, of books from his collection that you can buy individually. Although I think they're probably I don't think they're going to try to auction it uh, in total. So you can get the results of somebody's lifetime of collecting uh, in one shot uh, if you bid for it. I found parts from rare and interesting cars, some interesting automobilia like trophies and hood ornaments that are special. Uh, there's always uh, great things that turn up uh, just because people have decided this is the place they want to sell it. That, that's incredible. Uh and there are a lot of automobile collect automobile collectors, and I'm not talking gas pumps, but when you mention hood ornaments and things, uh, there's guys that, that do that, and there's guys oh, that yeah. collect emblems. And uh, there was a, a museum in South Bend that he collected Duesenbergs and emblems for a long time, and he's, mm-hmm. he's gone now, But and it's all been doled out in other areas, but... Uh, we're all that way. I've got some. I'm sure you've got some at home of, of things you just don't want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that comes to mind is an old pre-war KLG spark plug out of probably a Bugatti at, at one time or another. Um, to, to further talk about the museum, you've got 70 cars, and I'm wondering, have you added anything or or no, no. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's really tough to add. I don't want to put cars in there just because it's time to have another car. In other words, I don't want to put cars that did not have a significance in sports racing history. Mm-hmm. So every car that's in the collection, well, most of them are uh, are in dioramas, and most of them actually raced in the dioramas. Wow. In other words, uh, we have a. Le Mans diorama and all 11 cars 
actually were in Le Mans. Mm -hmm. Sebring, the same way. We have a couple of cars that were at Sebring. Millimedia, the same. So uh, if we start just getting cars that are, uh, believe it or not, uh, guys, we uh, actually have turned down cars that wanted to be donated to us because we didn't think it was fair to the donor to to accept them and not be able to display them. Um, but we don't want to have the theme and the chronology messed up by cars that really don't we can't tell a story about a winning story about right well it, and that's what makes your museum so special because you do have these areas but a couple of years ago you had was it a Renault Grand Prix car from like 1914 or something that was 1906 yeah 1906 one of the Grand Prix Renaults mm-hmm. yeah and that's probably the only one surviving uh, no, there uh, there are. Uh, it's it's kind of a long story, but there were they they made a special run of ten just oh. for the American market, and four of them uh, are known to survive. Okay, uh, and and you take that car out and run it, don't you? Oh yeah, we crank it up and run <laughs> it. It runs great. That's that's fabulous. Now, when you would take that one out, do you have other? Grand Prix or, or racing cars from that no, well, period? We, we could take that out like when we did Bastille Day. Sure. We took took about the French the French influence on design. We had something like what it was like to, you know, racing, uh, think about this, racing before World War One was as, ro- this is road racing, was as robust as it was in Europe and France, uh, Italy, England, uh, you know, we the Fairmount Park race in Philadelphia attracted three hundred thousand people. Right after World War One, that all stopped in the United States. While in Italy, there was the Millimedia and the Targa Florio. In France, there was Le Mans and Lyon and uh, Rems and many others. And of course, in uh, England, they have road racing every weekend at all these tracks. There was literally nothing except one small club, the Automobile Racing Club of America, which raced around in the woods, more or less. So it's an amazing story about why road racing died. And it didn't come back until the GIs came home and started Watkins Glen in 48. Yes, yes. But we we repeat that story about those other races by having cars that actually raced in them. And then each track has a great story. You know, each track has wonderful story and then the other beauty about sports racing cars is you have driver stories you have international competition stories venue stories about the track and then the technological and even artistic development of the cars so we throw all that in um to uh when we talk about them fred we haven't asked you this, but I, I would like to. Uh, your website, where you're exactly located, tickets to get into the museum. Tell us some of the mechanics, if you don't mind. Well, our website is, uh, is www.simeonmuseum, S-I-M as in Mary, E-O-N as in Nancy, simeonmuseum.org. Uh, you do not need to have tickets in advance. Parking is free. Uh, you know, it's ten bucks for most people. Students is eight bucks. Uh, yeah, uh, kids is free, um, and you just kind of show up. It's best to go online uh, if you really want to get granular about what's in the cars. 
there's an app that you can use. You can get it on your smartphone, and that will talk for about four, three, four, five minutes on each car. Otherwise, the plaques are deliberately short, large print, short, eight or ten lines that are by each car. Uh, and also, we have a carry around the uh, little iPad that you can use, and and as you go by a car, you can access that. Um, so that's that's what I would do if if you really want to see the moving come on a demonstration day. If you want to just contemplate or draw them or take pictures, uh, you can come during the week. Uh, sadly, our attendance is pretty low, and you can kind of do what you want. Um, uh, and then, you know, that, that's all um, a, a kind of custom design to make it comfortable. You can bring your dog if you want. Uh, oh, your not, dog uh, friendly. Not that, real fancy. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that's great. To find a place that's dog friendly anymore is, is well, it's good. I, I think that's wonderful. Do you have a, and, do you have a shop there as well? Or uh, Yeah, we, we have... We have a shop there, and we have a genius who who runs it. Who's uh, the guy Kevin Kelly uh, has started uh, working on old cars in his twenties. He he's equally comfortable around that uh, Renault. In fact, this week he was working on both of them. He's equally comfortable around that 196 Renault as he is around our horizontally opposed air cooled 917 Porsche. Hmm. Uh, he's, he's worked on both all of them. He's just a, an inherent genius, and I, I don't think I could do without him. The other thing we might want to get to at some point is the library, um, and uh, that's a little bit less of a um, the kind of library you can walk in and take out books because so much of it is documents, documentation, uh, but we do answer emails regularly, Help authors mainly with their books and restorers with their individual cars. Uh, the book that you wrote is it still available? Uh, I'm afraid it, it sold out. I didn't predict that it would be so good that I'm afraid it sold out. But you can get get one on Amazon. Okay. Uh, that, I have one, by the way, that I got from you, and uh, it's incredible. And and I think anybody that's a collector. Has, if they haven't read it, they need to read it. Now, there are two books. There's the one I think you're talking about is The Stewardship of Historically right. Important Cars. Right. Yeah. That, then there's also a book which is still available. It's 385 pages about the collection with uh, illustrations, historical talks, and it has the collection. And we put it together because so many people asked us. Uh, well, about the cars in general, but particularly, how did you get it? How did you find it? How did you know to get it in the 1960s? And that's commonly asked question. So we put that all together. It's a big, fat table, a coffee table type book, which is available through our website. Fred, we're going to have to take our last break, and uh, we'll come back on the Classic Car Show with... Dr. Fred Simeon and the Classic Car Show brought to you by the Simeon Museum. We'll be back right after this. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, 
tours and collectors and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. They've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back on the Classic Car Show, the Simeon Museum Classic Car Show today. <laughs> and we're going to invite, I'm going to go, I'm going to go out of my way and invite those that are listening both to live, listening to us right now, and those that are going to be listening to us from all over the world on the archive that will be posted this Monday and you'll be able to pick it up on our website as well as on all the podcast players and YouTube and so forth and so on. In fact, YouTube, uh, or Facebook, I should say, is up right now. As soon as we end the show, you can go back and watch uh, watch uh, Weber scratch his bald head and, uh, or do whatever, and it will be up on Facebook immediately. So... We want to thank our special guest, Dr. Fred Simeon, and uh, we're going to be talking to Fred a bunch more in the in the future days ahead. So, anyway, we'll get back to the show, and uh, Mr. Weber? Okay, well, thank you. Well, I want to tell our listeners uh, about, Fred mentioned an app on the smartphone about each of the cars. Um, can you elaborate on that or how they get that app on their smartphone, please, Fred? Yeah, well, it's a standard. It's an ordinary app, so you just just go to your app site, and, uh, and uh, they'll, they'll, you can down access Simeon Museum. Okay. And then what what it does basically is it talks about the car in more detail than people who would be visitors to the museum would want to read. You know, if you've been to museums with long explanations of their object, whether it's art or a statue. Very often people don't have the time or the desire at that point to read it. But here, if you're a real car guy or you see a car that you're particularly interested in, you can click on the app. There'll be some historic pictures of the car, and then you'll hear me talking about uh, what it was and what its significance is and why it made it into the collection. That's great. And, uh, and anybody anywhere in the world can get that. Yes, mm-hmm. just you, go to your app store. Yeah. Do you have docents or volunteers that also lead tours? We could not survive without volunteers. Good, good. We have about uh, 80 or 90 volunteers on our list, and we have uh, probably uh, a third of them are pretty active in terms of coming regularly. Some of them have particular assignments. We have Shiny Bob, who's job is to make sure that every car is uh, 
dust free. Okay. Um, and others who work in the shop. We have a guy who's our brake man. Another guy who works likes to work on chassis. Uh, yeah, we have uh, wonderful volunteers. Uh, uh, that's great. And uh, I mean, is this is this going to go on? What's going to happen to the museum if something happens? Well. The, the, one of the things behind the museum, as the collection was was carefully curated throughout the years when uh, a normal person could afford them, what happened is it suddenly built up to the point where I had them all in one big parking garage, and people said, you know, this collection will never be repeated. And then they said, you know, you ought to have the whole world looking at this. And I heard that time and time again. So, you know, how... And, and I and I have to agree. Without being a wise guy, I don't think with a blank check you could repeat the collection no. or tell the story that we're trying to tell, which is the evolution of the greatest sports cars. So that being said, it'd be, it would be a shame for this collection that when I pass to be sold off, like virtually so many of them are. Virtually all the collections that that are out there are still privately owned. And, you know, estate taxes in the United States are such that when you get to this level, uh, you may be up to 30, 40, or more percent Mm -hmm. of estate taxes, so you have to sell up to half of your collection to keep the other half. Yes. The only way to do this, if you have a wonderful daughter who says, Dad, I don't want a big inheritance, I don't want the value of these cars, Uh, I'm out making my own living and I'm happy doing it, you say, well, then I think the best thing to do is to create a charity. It will not be taxed, and it gives the, the collection uh, an opportunity to stay together indefinitely. That's great. So you've basically taken care of the collection forever, which is wonderful. And with the cars that you have in there, they do need to be preserved in the state they're in now. And... Uh, I, I don't think you have any that are over-restored, if I'm not mistaken. No, no. We, we've gotten some that were pretty heavily done, um, <clears throat> but we we can't de-restore them. But most of them have been carefully restored. That's part of the criteria. Every car in the collection has its original body and chassis, and virtually all of them, uh, except a few, have the original engine they were born with. Um and you said something forever. The only problem is, in order to do this, you need to build an endowment. Uh, in other words, regardless of how poor our income is, with all the charitable things we do and the low emission, you got to have an endowment that will live on its, that the museum can live on its interest. So that's the biggest challenge. It's very expensive to give things away if you want them to be perpetual. And the the economic climate is not such that people want to donate to a car collection. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't, yes. It's yeah. not the same as uh, children's cancer or other right. things. So we have to kind of generate our own. Um, if we are lucky to get some uh, charity, it's wonderful. But we have to generate our own endowment. Okay. Fred, under, under the big portrait that they're going to have in the museum of uh, Dr. Fred Simeon, uh, I was wondering if um, America's Web Radio could write a little note under it, uh, like you have with your cars. Would you, it would make it brief, but we'd like to uh, describe the relationship of and who uh, 
who and what Fred Simeon meant to the car industry as well as to America's Web Radio. Okay, well, such a portrait does not exist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and if you if you want it to be a memorial portrait, I hope it's not. It's a long time before you get a chance to do that. <laughs> I, I hope so too. <laughs> well, I, I would would settle for uh, a few words under a Polaroid if uh, people remember what a Polaroid is. <laughs> yes. Well, uh-huh. uh, first of all, your insight is incredible, and there. Amen. Yeah, there weren't too many gentlemen. Uh, I mentioned one earlier in our break that come to mind that had the insight to do what you've done, and it's just to get it promoted. That's the big thing. Um, I want to go back for a minute and talk about your nine seventeen. The significance of that, if I remember, is did it not win Le Mans? No, it came in second, second in 1970. Yeah, okay. All right, so it's a very early car. It's one of the first 25 chassis. Yes, well, it's actually chassis number 43. It's oh, a, okay. It's a car that's got a uh, interesting history, and it's very hard to actually trace it. We believe that it's the chassis of the car that won, that came in second in 1970 and raced in 71. But the body is uh, is the same. It's, a, it's an identical body, a 1970 body made by Porsche, but probably not the body that was on the car when it raced. And that's one of the few cars that we have where the body is not the one that was born with. Uh-huh. But the chassis is good enough, and there's only, they only made five long tails that yeah. it certainly has a place in our story. Yes. Uh, but it, that... that that's typical of race cars, and it's very difficult to find one. That's because it, it you may have been at a race, one car blew its engine, they took the engine from another car and left mm-hmm. that car parked, and they were mixing and match uh, all day long. And you and right. you, nobody really took the time to track that back then. No, no, we 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 do it later on in the sense that uh, we. We get uh, we we go out of our way to get good histories on these cars, and uh, we've even actually found the original engine and put it back in a couple of our cars. Oh wow! So uh, that's hard to do, but uh, yeah, that is important because it's like everything else. You know, uh, there now is the time and that you can actually do things like that. Another generation or so, you're going to end up with parts that are not from the car, and then sadly. If you misuse the cars, uh, you'll end up replacing them when they break. So we make sure, and this doesn't make us popular with the guys who like to race vintage cars all out, uh, but it does uh, preserve the cars, and that is we drive all of them. They all run, but we don't take them to the track and pretend we know how to be racers and uh, over-rev them and do stuff like that. I don't think... I don't think every car has to be raced until it falls apart. I think at a certain point in time, if it's historic, you should use it. Like uh, I, I often say, if a soldier fights in the war, the veteran marches in VFW parades. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, because some vintage racing lately has gotten what I consider out of hand. Yeah, and uh, I've seen some wonderful cars uh, 
messed up, and then they end up with replacement parts. Yeah. Well, but I guess if the guys can afford to do it, they do it. So, Shame on them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, as we close, what else would you like to tell us, or what have we missed that we want to talk about? Uh, you've got the auction coming up. When is the Ford versus Ferrari uh, movie event? Movie, I believe I'm going to be close with this, but maybe not exact, but November 9th comes to mind. Okay. And that's that's when it's going to be uh, it's going to it's going to hit the uh, hit the movie theaters, uh, and the producer hasn't given us the exact date of our showing, but it will probably be a week or two before that. Excellent, and it'll be on your website, which is it'll w- be on our website mm-hmm. org. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just future next summer. You have the uh, youth program again. Yeah, now we have two other programs. We have uh, just made an affiliation with something called the Urban Youth Racing League, and I would encourage you to go online and look at them. It's an interesting program. It's largely for inner-city kids, poor kids, and in order to get driving lessons, in order to come to the museum, in order to have time on a simulator, you have to get C-plus or better grades, or you can't stay in the program. And then when you get enough points because of good attendance and high grades, you get free time on a uh, guard course. So wow. it's very popular for kids, and we're going to extend It's oversubscribed. We're going to extend that uh, as their uh, museum partner. Okay. So that's coming up. And then we're also developing a relationship with the charter schools in Philadelphia to have a regular um, kind of a field trip educational program where they come here regularly to uh, uh, supplement their knowledge with something interesting. Excellent. Uh, do you have a simulator there at, at the museum? Uh, no, we don't. Uh, that we're waiting for that development to come, and quite frankly, <laughs> we're waiting for a donation okay. <laughs> of, of simulators. There, We know where there's some out there, and we're trying to... Uh, embarrass the uh, company that owns them to get them. We've been working on that for about a year, and we may be closer than usual. Okay. But the good ones are, remember, we, we have a really very tight budget with uh, such low income. Yeah. We only have five full-time employees, and, um, you know, simulator is a whole salary. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Fred, before we leave, I want to thank you one more time for yeah. coming on, and you'll be hearing from me very shortly, probably uh, early next week, and uh, I'd like to talk to you about uh, promoting the museum even more here. Yeah. So, thank you, Fred. Oh, great. Hey, guys, thanks a lot. Thanks for giving us this kind of exposure. We really love it. It's always great to talk to you. Okay. You're thank listening you. to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.